0: From the campaign trail to the studio, Wesley Hunt continues the fight. Along with his brother, Rendon, they chronicle their family experience from slavery to West Point in four generations. Tackling the difficult conversations facing our country, they're on a mission to preserve the American dream. Buckle up and welcome aboard. You're
1: in the hunt. I'm Wesley Hunt. I'm Rendon Hunt. And you're in in the Hunt. hunt. Another day. Yes it is. Beautiful day. So today we are going to be talking about fear. And as my father-in-law always says, fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. And in our culture Dr. Watkins said that? Dr. Watkins says that. No. The the good doctor that's, says that's that. That's pretty good.
0: That's I, pretty I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that. It's oh, pretty God. it's
1: pretty deep, huh? <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty deep. And We live in a time where so much of what we do, so much of what we say, so much of how we interact with others is rooted in fear. And I think oftentimes about how many of our actions are driven by fear versus our actions being driven by love, right? Because I think about all the things in my life that that I've been afraid of, this podcast is a very strong example of being able to overcome fear. So now we've gotten to the point, we have a couple episodes, we're getting ourselves out there. And if I think about what is the thing that I feared the most throughout this whole process, it's that fear of of not being accepted. And it's not even it's not even real. It's the fear of what if I say something that's unintelligent or what if I say something I mean you that's always say things no that are intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 the fear of all these things and it's fear that can be paralyzing for us.
0: Yeah.
1: Because fear can prevent us from being who we're meant to be. And I think about when you first started running for office. And everybody has their two cents about it. And this is one of the first things I told you throughout this whole process, and I I try to be self-aware. I don't know if you would agree that I'm self-aware. You're pretty self-aware. I I try to be self-aware. You're pretty self-aware. I'm aware that I don't like socks. My buddy, Chris Tallon, he called me today on the way over here. And he said, hey man, could you wear some socks in the next episode? Bro, it's, re- it's really Metro, bro. I said, I, it's, I, it's Metro. I said, never. And there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong wrong. <laughs> never that. It's okay, there's never nothing that. wrong with that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out I'm there. Just there's saying. nothing wrong There's <laughs> nothing I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So I I tried to be. You'd wear some socks, right, man. <laughs> but wear some socks. But <laughs> wear some socks. <laughs> 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 I, I try to be self-aware. And one of the things that I told you when we were first starting this is you were asking for my counsel on things. And I had to be very straight up and honest with you and say, I don't really know. I can give you my opinion on how I believe some of this stuff is going to roll out. But it's only that. It's my opinion because I don't know. And it was phenomenal and and very interesting for me how so many people chimed in on, oh, my gosh. Wesley, you're running for office. You should do this, 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 and this. It's incredible, isn't it? And the it? first thing I thought was like, so have you ever run for office? <laughs> no? But, but that's the crazy thing is you have this fear of being accepted in a group of people that for whatever reason, some of it could be courage, some of it could be desire, decided that they didn't want to get in that game. And it's the same thing with doing this podcast, is there'll be so many people who say, hey, you should do this, 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 and this. And I always wanna be a person who's empowering other people. I mean, look, if you agree with something I say, if you agree with the way that I put it out, hey man, put out your own stuff. Yeah. You probably have a good opinion that people wanna to hear too, put it out. But in order to do that, there's this large piece of being able to overcome fear.
0: So I wish really everybody could run for office in some capacity, because that's exactly what we're hitting on. You are exactly right about fear. And it's the fear of acceptance. It's the fear of somebody not agreeing with you. It's the fear of people making making assumptions about you without hearing it completely thought out, without understanding your background, without knowing who you are. It's the fear of walking into a room and somebody looking at you and just saying, it's got to sell out. But you don't even know. But you don't even know my background or where I or where I've come from or or how I got here. And you don't care. You saw an R in front of my name, and that's it. And it's the fear of confronting people with that, but also being comfortable with yourself. It takes you running for office. It takes you. It takes you about thirty-eight seconds to realize that you have to let the fear go.
1: Why thirty-eight? Not like. Thirty-two seconds. You know, when
0: you call when you call me on stuff like that, I was I was trying to be as exact <laughs> as possible. I don't know, why I was thirty-eight right there. Takes about a thirty-two point <laughs> seven nanoseconds. Seconds. <laughs> I was trying to sound. It's, it's how fast you blink your eyes. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Thirty-seven seconds, whatever. But you realize that you have to overcome that fear and then continue to put yourself out there and continue to become more resolved in the way you view the world and how you see things and how you want to make a difference. And then that fear ultimately turns into empowerment. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to understand that f- fear is going to be with us all the time. It sure will be. How do you embrace the fear? And then how do you wake up each day, day in and day out, and continue to put one foot in front of the other in spite of the fear?
1: Speaking of fear, remember Thai Day?
0: I remember it well. So, I, mean, back- I started it.
1: <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> so, back when we were growing up, our dad worked for the Department of Veteran Affairs. He was a therapist and helped veterans deal with many of the issues that they were bringing back from war. And on Thursdays, he had group meetings with his veterans. And in honor of his veterans, he wore ties on Thursday. Thursday tie day so when you were in kindergarten you saw him wearing ties on Thursday and you decided that you wanted to wear ties on Thursday which then translated to me getting goat roped in hey man to wear ties on
0: you gotta leave from the front when you're the big brother Thursday he's gotta leave from the front that's all so the irony of tie day and you're welcome <laughs> you're a dapper you're a better-dressed person and I think you're a better human being because of what I did for you. <laughs> Don't you
1: forget that. Thank me later. You're welcome. <laughs> so the the thing I think about in terms of, of tie day and and fear, one of the things that's interesting about our background is we were always conditioned to confront the fear of not fitting in mm-hmm. because we were always different. Yeah. When you're the only black kid, you can't hide. Right. Like,
0: there's, 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 so it's like either you get mad, or, or you or you embrace it. You
1: embrace the difference, and you you galvanize who you are as an individual. Then it ends up becoming really cool, right? Yes. Dif- different ends up being very very cool, and the reason I bring up Tide Day. We we're black, We can like dance and stuff. We yeah. Rhythm. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, it is awesome. It's awesome. So the, the reason I bring up Tide Day is Tide Day was cool up through fifth grade and even in some of our classes it was coined dapper day and i was always coming the year behind you so then all these other kids are wearing ties too because a trend was started so tie thursday ended up becoming a big thing right there were like a few times in fifth grade like ours we were like wore suits to school Yes,
0: it just got it got escalated to like the next level. <laughs>
1: like we're the nation of Islam, <laughs> selling
0: bean <laughs> going pies going to
1: school. <laughs> you know, you're always outdoing it. it. It goes from tie day to, to dapper day, so you're always outdoing it, going the the next step up, walking in with a briefcase instead of a <laughs> backpack in the third grade, <laughs> and so. Progress to that transition though, from elementary school to middle school, then all of a sudden, I mean, things are changing as a kid. Sure. I was cool with mimicking dad and wearing a tie. But then when you're transitioning to another environment, wait a minute, there's fear of, well, what were the other kids think about what I'm doing? How is that going to, to, to be embraced? But the irony of life is if you can figure out how to confront your fears You get back on the other end, you get out on the other end of them, and you're in a way better place. Like you said, I thank you for that because I'll give you an example. You know where else I had tie day? At Dow Chemical Company. You kept it. When I was in the solar business. And Steve Tuttle, my global business director, deemed it tie day every Thursday because in Midland, Michigan, I was still wearing a tie every Thursday. Right? So it went from being something that I feared to being something that I realized this is something that distinguishes me. Something pure. Something pure. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Something good. Yeah. Something think it's something something pure. pure. Yeah. And and isn't that what we see in this country so often? We fear what is different. Yeah. But if we can learn to embrace those differences And if we can learn to allow this country to be a true melting pot, what wonderful things can come out on the other end? I was thinking this weekend about other countries and how they deal with minority communities, most notably black communities, okay? And I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal this past past week, and I saw some pretty interesting statistics, okay? We in the United States, we know we're roughly 13% black. Okay? What do you think the UK is? What? Less than 2%. Yeah. What do you think Germany is? I mean, goodness. Less than, less than that. They don't know because they don't have the data. What do you think France is? Wow. They don't know because they don't have the data. And so as we think about... The fear of something that's different. Everybody else in the world wants to poo-poo and criticize what the United States is doing and how we've interacted with other communities of different races. But at
0: least we know what percentage of each demographic there are in the
1: country. Well, at a minimum, at not least only we know that, not only that, like we actually are actively addressing it. Yes. Like, 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 there's still a piece of who we are that's rooted in being an actual melting pot. And I think we lose that in the United States, we, like in, in the rhetoric that we have in this country, and once again, it's the fear of people who are different. Yes, there is fear of, of, of people that are different in this country that we need to confront and that we need to do a better job of integrating communities. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is in the United States and what we're forced to deal with from a diversity standpoint, is actually more than you'll see anywhere in the Western world. Yeah. Opportunities for us to do better as we let go of fear, but there's a foundation upon which we can build on.
0: A very strong one here in this country, unlike any other place in the entire world.
1: What are you most afraid of? It's a generic question, by the way.
0: I'm most afraid of failure. Yeah. Actually. Fear fear of failure can be paralyzing. It's almost as if, I'm going to give you an example, me running for office, for example. Somebody asked me in the very beginning when I I ran, what are you going to do if you lose? And I looked at her and I said, huh? Because that thought never even entered my mind. Now, it never entered my mind because I was probably fearful of it. And so I have a, a coping mechanism is just, to, is just to block that out. I mean, up until the day of the election, I had never thought not, not one time did I ever think that I'd actually lose. Because I'm probably fearful of it. One of the most fearful times I've ever had in my life and something that we've had to, I had to confront every day was actually being in combat and being in Baghdad. So you climb into an Apache helicopter every day and fly over an area in a region of Baghdad where you know for a fact people have been shot down before. You know for a fact that there's potential that you're going to take fire every time. And so you have to climb into this airframe, take off, and fly a mission profile every day with the same fear being there no matter what. It doesn't change. And you get in the habit of training yourself to overcome that fear because you have a mission to accomplish. And eventually, the fear is there, but it kind of goes away. You block it out. You block it out. Before every mission, I would say the Lord's Prayer before I climbed into the cockpit because I wanted to be good with God if I didn't come back and land, if I died. And I had to confront that every single day. But that's just me and an Apache. Think about these ground guys that are kicking indoors every day in the middle of the summer, in the middle of Baghdad, that have to wonder if the road that they're traveling on right now isn't riddled with improvised explosive devices. And they giddy up, and they do it every single day. They go down the same roads that they know that they've lost buddies on. Yeah. And they confront their fear every single day.
1: You know what's hard about transitioning from the military? And and one of the things that I've really struggled with is the sense of mission. Yeah. And— when you talk about fears, failure, big one. My biggest fear is very similar. It's not mattering. Oh, yeah. It's anonymity.
0: It's which, you, fear. which to you would be a failure? Not mattering to you would be
1: a. Fa- all, right, all right. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're linked, and the struggle that that I've had with transitioning from the military is it's a mission that you wholeheartedly believe in. At least some people wholeheartedly believe when they're in it. I wholeheartedly believed in it, you wholeheartedly believed in it. And there's this piece of you that knows, even if you're doing something that seems to be a mundane task, that you're doing your part in making the world a better place. Yes. And there's this fear when you transition from the military because you really have to go out of your way to figure out what your place is in the world so that you can make that difference in a different capacity. It's not as clearly outlined. Isn't fear incredible?
0: It's awesome. I mean, fear, what you just said is so profound, Randy, right? because if we could change fear from a, from a term of paralysis— and use it as a use it for, for as as a form of motivation it can really light a fire under your ass think about what you just said it's easy in the military because we have the mission that we have got to accomplish and we're doing it together and we're doing it for the betterment of the mission our team it's not the, easy but it's understandable it's, right <laughs> it's palatable it's palatable yeah it's palatable yes yeah yes and, if, and, if you, and you can't fail the mission because if you fail the mission, then, a per, then the man or the woman to your left or your right might die. It's, yeah. You do it for the, other, for the other person. I was watching Black Hawk Down the other day. At the very end of it, um, there was a soldier that was talking about, you know, why do you do this? Why are you here? And he said, people back at home can't understand this. I'm doing this for the person next to me. Hmm. I'm doing my job for them. Unless you've been here, you don't even understand that. But the fear of being irrelevant, once you don't have the mission that's been given to you by the DOD, the fear of that is what's going to light a fire into your behind to make sure that you are relevant. If there
1: was no fear,
0: you wouldn't do anything.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a, and, and you know, I love to read the the self-help genre of books and one of the books that i've i've read recently is a book called the road back to you that talks about the enneagram which is essentially nine different personality styles that are rooted in your motivations so what motivates you to do specific things my style is an enneagram one which is a perfectionist and you know that you're an enneagram one we don't wear socks (laughs) That's not how you know you're an Enneagram one. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> so you you know if you're an Enneagram one, because my wife and I, we went to to this seminar <clears throat> where the lady basically went through and, and helped us understand what our number was. And one of the things that she talks about as being a defining moment of how you know you're a one is if you have this voice in your head, okay? And this voice in your head is this relentless, excuse me, critical voice. It's like, this isn't good enough, this isn't good enough, this isn't good enough, this isn't good enough. That, I've always had that in my head. Mm -hmm. But the next thing that she said was something that was a bit more profound to me. She said, you have that voice in your head, and most of you ones have convinced yourself that that voice is your friend. Boom. I was like, wait a minute. So other people either don't have that voice or don't think that that voice is their friend? Because to your point about a voice lighting, the reason why I felt that that voice is my friend is that's the voice that I hear when I have a test and I know I need to stay up and study study longer so I can do better in it. That's the voice that I hear when I know I need to shine my shoes because I want them to look better. That's the voice that I hear when I have a work project and I say, nah, I'm gonna finish this and it's going to be done right. That's the voice that I hear. I've always thought that that voice was my friend, even though it's extremely critical, which always puts me in an interesting spot in life because I've never worried about performing to the level that somebody else has for me. It's never been a concern to me because my standards for myself will always be far higher than anybody else's standards for me. And so when I say it's that fear of, of being irrelevant, what does that really look like? How can we affect people's lives for a posit- in a positive way? How can we be a part of the generation, a part of the conversation that takes what we have here and at least relentlessly tries to make it better? Yeah. Will we make a difference? Well, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. But you're gonna try, though. But at least relentlessly tries. They're pursuing it, they're pursuing it. Yeah, and that's what that, what that fear really comes from and is, and is rooted in. And I'm not convinced when you say that fear is a good thing, I'm not convinced that that's not a wonderful thing. Yeah. Because that fear is going to drive me to continue to try to make a difference. Brandon, I have a fear of not knowing something.
0: I have a fear of not being in good shape. So I have a fear of not knowing something. So I, I, I'm constantly researching stuff, as are you. We talk about yeah. this how many times a day. Yeah. I have a fear of not being in good shape. So I work out every day. Every day? Every day.
1: Forever, ever?
0: Forever, ever? <laughs> every day. And so do you. You have created quite a pretty good golf game. Went to the driver with you a few months ago, and I okay. was thoroughly impressed, considering that we didn't grow up playing a lot of golf. But, but you had a fear of sucking at it. Oh, yeah. So you made sure that you got good at it, and you were relentless. And getting pretty doggone good at it. All of this stuff is driven, and I feel like what is a healthy fear. And I think we got to define that because that's when when you say fear is wonderful, that is absolutely wonderful if it's driving you to do those things. Where fear becomes dangerous and detrimental is when it paralyzes you from doing anything. Like, I am so scared of something that I don't even want to try it. Yeah. What I love about our parents growing up is that a lot of young kids, a lot of young people, you see they have like a fear of certain foods. Or somebody will always tell me, like, as an adult, I don't eat that. Well, have you tried it? I don't know. Well, how do you know? What are you, 12? How do you know? You don't even like it. You know, when I talk to you, it like, I don't eat this. Like, Dude.
1: Yeah, a good, a good buddy of mine, like, eats like a seven year old. You know, it's like you, you, you'll go to a sandwich shop and it's like, yeah, I don't want any do the, 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 the white stuff. You mean mayonnaise? Yeah, come on. Like, quit, quit being a four year old. Like, the condiments are okay. Don't be scared of it. Yeah. What I love about okay. our
0: parents was that if you recall, no matter what was on our plate, we had to try everything. Try? Should we <laughs> had to finish everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> try. <laughs> Remember beets? Yes. So so you so that's what's weird. Like It's y- crazy. You yeah. seem to think beets are okay. They're now. good now. I, I'm Brenda, they're they're good now. I'm, I'm scarred. Will, I will go to a, I will go to a restaurant and order a beet salad now. But here's here's what's funny. It doesn't mean that I won't eat beets if they're the vegetable that's placed in front of me on my plate. Now, once again, that's healthy habits, right? Yeah. We grew up in a house where you had a vegetable. Every meal. Every meal. And in a house where if I order something and it has beets on it, well, I'm going to eat those beets and I'm not going to like them very much. But, hey, I, I ordered it. You're going right? to eat it. I ordered it. Remember, my mom used to make us eat the – but it wasn't the beets like in a beet salad. Yeah. It was like, like – was it, it, can you have canned beets? You have canned beets. They, were they canned beets? I think so. And they, they, they were in that just bitter juice. Yeah. It's terrible. And my mom, mom would just sit there and say, you want to sit down and eat it now. Eat this it now. Oh, man. <laughs> But that was fear. So,
0: so we were scared of, that we are fearful of mom. <laughs> this is our fear.
1: Just choking choking down, down beats. beats.
0: <laughs> but aren't you glad, though? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you glad? Because we grew up being these adults that like I could pretty, we can pretty much eat anything and everything. Why? Because everything was introduced to us at a young age because we didn't have any fear of it.
1: It's a broader metaphor, though, Wesley. It's the fear of trying. Of trying anything, anything. Right? I mean, a, a couple of months back, and you, you want to talk about fear, a couple of months back, my buddy Will reached out and said, hey, man, do you want to go spearfishing in Puerto Rico? Yeah. First of all, I mean, that sentence is just incredible, right? Like, yeah. hey, man, you want to spearfishing in Puerto Rico? He does it all the time, too. It's yeah. like no big deal. Yeah, He says
0: it a of casually nonchalantly. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I'm like, yeah, sure. It's,
0: it's, it's, like, it's like, hey, do you want to put on a squirrel suit and go to and go to the Alps and jump off mountains? <laughs> it's like,
1: okay, yeah, whatever. Right, whatever man. But he says it like, like, oh yeah, I do it all. I do whatever. I do it every, all the time. The crazy thing was, as first of all, there's the inherent fears of that ask. Pre-COVID and everything, I probably wouldn't have gone because I always fear being away from my kids because there's a sense of guilt that I have. That I'm not with them. I'm not hanging out with them. I'm not spending time with the family. Like, there's this there sense of guilt. Yeah. You
0: were right? Yeah, I know. I thought she got <laughs> to get away. Puerto Rico, <laughs> get, I, my can, can, can <laughs> get, get my ticket. Can you leave it out? hour? Get my ticket.
1: So, there's always that fear. And unfortunately, Waddell was very supportive. She said, Yeah, this isn't something you would normally do. It sounds like it'd be a whole lot of fun. Go ahead and do it. So, we go down there, have just a, a wonderful trip. Uh, spearfishing it was fantastic. But I am deathly afraid of sharks. It's reasonable and I think it's I think it's rational it's not unreasonable. to be it's afraid not of sharks not unreasonable. okay So when you spearfish, there's this flasher See, that jaws they, that you yeah I, I grew up we grew up on jaws, right? Yeah. So when you spearfish, there's these flashers that you throw into the water, okay? And when fish see the flashers, they're attracted to them. So you throw in the flasher, the fish will see it, and then you just you plug them with this with this spear. Yeah. it's real messed up, right? Like you know, they're sounds, like, oh look, it's a. Pl-. I think that know, sounds kind of awesome. It's, it's really messed up. I'm, I like that kind of whole stuff. lot of fun there, yeah. right? So, put the flasher in, and we're we're out the first day, and and uh, my buddy Will shot a wahoo. Like had a really good, you know, good day the first day second day we're out there and we go to a different part of the ocean right? Put the flasher down, we're all in the water and I see this bull shark swim up to the flasher and you know how, how in the cartoons when like their, eyes, these pop cartoon, out. their <laughs> eyes pop out yeah. and you see them swim, their legs are just flying out, man I saw that shark and I swam back to that boat faster than I've ever swam in my entire (laughs) life and jumped up in the boat. And they're cracking up because everybody else is staying down there. They're like, hey, don't bother it. You know, we'll be fine, yada, 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 okay? Yeah. So we move on. We go to another spot and have another drop, right? Okay. Drop in, get down there. And I'm with our guide. It's not one bull shark this time. There's three bull sharks. And they are huge. Okay? And so they're swimming around. They're playing with the flasher. They, they, at one point, this shark was like seven, eight feet away from me. In the water, right? Like, yeah. he closes on me. It's over. And most attacks, of course, happen from bull sharks. And I'm about to swim away, and the guy just grabs my arm. And he looks at me, and he just nods his head. You know, it's okay. You'll be fine. And I stayed there. And the sharks were swimming around, swimming around, swimming around, swimming around. around. And we were there with the sharks for probably— That's awesome. Ten minutes. That's awesome. Then we had another drop after that. Yeah. Two more bull sharks. Dude, that's awesome. And I stayed there. And we were there. And after it was all said and done, it was so funny because our guide—I mean, this is is somebody who spearfishes all around the world all the time. And we were just chumming it up afterwards. And he's just like, he's like, man— it's like, I'm just really proud of you, man. It's like, that's really hard to, to, to Over, overcome and face your fears. fear. And, and, and what, is that, what does that feel like? And it was just one of those moments where you really think, I mean, look, I wouldn't advise people jump in shark-infested water and, and swim around. Of course not. Uh, but it was really one of those moments where you think about all the different pieces of that infrastructure, being around somebody who I trusted. And I trusted to look after me. Right, Being in a position where there's an air of safety, but there's an air of nuance and different too. Because oftentimes that's what we fear. We fear what is different. But after every time in my life when I've been able to overcome something that I feared, I've always felt this great relief. Because it no longer owns you. But also I just think you're a wuss. (laughs)
0: Period. I think you're a Great story. I think you're lost. Here's why I think you're a because, because when I learned how to scuba dive when I was in Saudi Arabia, and I learned how to scuba dive since, in the Red since Sea. Since
1: there's a lot of water in Saudi Arabia. Your... just joking.
0: <laughs> called the Red Sea. When I learned how to scuba dive in the desert. In Jeddah. It was in Jeddah. It was in Jeddah. It, it was on the coast. It was right there in the Red Sea. Gotcha. And when I saw a bull shark, I would have been petted. it. I'm just kidding. No,
1: yeah. <laughs> no I didn't. No, I, I almost soiled myself. Oh, man. Me too. I didn't see a shark. <laughs> I
0: almost no, no, soiled myself Oh no, no. Uh, no! I'm just kidding.
1: But it was—I I tell you—it was—it was really interesting to to, to confront that and That's think awesome about story, what that means from a from a fear standpoint. And a lot of times, too, it goes back to the idea of are the things that we do motivated by fear or are they motivated by something else? Because to your point, when does fear become bad? Fear becomes bad when it's completely driving every action. Yeah, that's true. Fear can't drive everything. When, when, when fear is the captain of the ship, you're in trouble. But you know, comfort
0: alleviates fear. Yes. So when you're doing something that's in your comfort zone, you don't really have to necessarily ex- ex- expand that fear profile. So this is where I think fear is healthy if it's used as a motivator to expand your comfort profile. Sure. It's almost like a marginal argument here. It's on the margins. And so the one thing I'm always really big on, especially with our with our kids, and you you fortunately have a fearless child. I mean, right <laughs> is How is that fortunate? That's <laughs> a good that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you fortunately have a wild animal in your house. <laughs> I was going to say rabid, but wild. <laughs> I don't want my children to say, "I'm scared of anything." I don't want it. I don't want it. I want I want you to confront your fears. I want you to have a rational understanding as to why you may or you may or may not like something, but to approach everything just being scared, is dangerous. Because life is scary. Your entire life, you are going to be put in a position where you have to approach something that you're not comfortable with. And for those people that aren't comfortable and they flee from their fears, they'll be running forever. Yeah. I look I at how Bezos, much Jeff Bezos is worth right now. Okay, have you have you seen the story about the beginning of Amazon? Yeah. Was that fearful? <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, he's wildly successful. I know that's like that's like an easy example, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. But but we see all these guys, and what they are doing—they they they are practitioners in overcoming their fears, driving through it, and being successful about it. Yeah, that's what they do for a living. Yeah. Some of the best politicians, some of the best businessmen, some of the best athletes that we see—they are practitioners in facing their fears. And overcoming them without relent. Michael Jordan, you know, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. In the 80s, he just he 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 couldn't get past the pistons. Yeah. I mean, how many years was this guy the best player in the NBA? And just and just and every year he came back, every year he came back. He was getting beat up by the pistons. What does he do? I'm gonna hit the weight room. Yeah. I'm gonna put on fifteen pounds of muscle so I don't get beat up anymore. You see, he didn't say, oh, shucks, I can't I can't do it, I'm out. He kept going, he kept pushing, he kept pushing, and eventually he got over the hump. And then next thing you know, fear of... It was, it, this wasn't even about fear of winning the championship. This was about, <laughs> I better win. Yeah. But it wasn't always like that. Yeah. And I think that's a very valuable lesson for all of us. What... 55 combat air missions in Baghdad. The first one was rough. The
1: 55th one was not. You know why that is, don't you? Why? Because fear is about control. Yeah. Okay. When I was down there with the sharks. Yeah,
0: no control. I was
1: afraid because I didn't have control of the situation. There you go. Because I knew that one of them things could turn on me, and there was absolutely nothing, you could do. nothing I could do, right? And overcoming fear isn't necessarily gaining control. It's accepting the fact that you don't have control.
0: And I'll take it one step further. And you can only control what you can't control. Yes. You can't control what the shark is going to do, but you can't control how you respond to it.
1: Exactly. And this is, this is, this is faith, yeah, right? Yeah. Like th- this, is, this is the story you know, in, in my Christian view of the world. And it becomes really interesting because it becomes a, a, an interesting conversation that I oftentimes have about the power of prayer and, and, and that being a colloquialism that oftentimes we use in faith. And me as somebody who holds my faith strong, I'm not as, as, as big of an adopter of the idea of the power of, faith, uh, of prayer. I'm a big adopter of the power of God, right? Because here's what happens. We love to believe that we have control. So if I, in my human view of things, say I think that things should be this way, this way, and this way, then if I think things should be that way, then, then I have control of the situation. Well, if I have control of the situation and I want to manipulate it in that way, man, isn't that taking control away from God who can see it all? Like, isn't a, a component of faith being able to understand that you are completely vulnerable. But if you believe in a greater good and a higher power that is there for the best practices and is doing things in the best interest of, of the world, then you can let go of that control that you have. So there's no fear in what that looks like. Faith is oftentimes a coping
0: mechanism of fear too. Absolutely. I think it's a natural human Condition to want to look to a higher power for things that can be explained because if they can't be explained, then you don't have any control. If you have, if you have any
1: control, then it goes back to yeah. There's no atheist in a foxhole, fear. huh? No. And speaking of fear, it's so funny when these random thoughts just come up. Remember that Mark Wahlberg movie, Fear? Vaguely. Yeah, I and mean, he's like, it was pretty crazy. He's like stalking the streets. Like back
0: when Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark? Yes,
1: yes, yes. <laughs> the Funky Bunch. He used to love Mark Wahlberg. But it it's that... he doesn't wear socks either. I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he
0: definitely doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he's allergic At least you wear a shirt. He's allergic he to, co- he's he's to the the cotton.
1: cotton. <laughs> like Isn't is that he's allergic to cotton? But I, I really do think that that's what we often do, we just want to control every situation so much, and think about it with your kids, right? It's, we had this, this, this curated fear of our kids going out and doing their own thing, and what if they make bad choices, and what if they do this, that, and the other, when in reality, <laughs> we can control the information that we give them, what we expose them to, and the choices that they make beyond that it's up to them. So sometimes, man, I
0: feel like I'm like a bad parent sometimes, which is probably <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> because you know, my risk—I have a pretty high my risk tolerance is is I have a high risk profile. I, I just I just do. I don't mind taking some risks. Yeah. And, and Emily's is not. <laughs> I mean, everything is careful. Don't look out for it. But it's, it's it's so funny. So like Victoria will do something. She just turned two a couple of weeks ago. So Victoria will do something that I'm watching, and I'm like, this is not going to end well. Like, like she's going to fall. It's going to well, be a learning experience. This is going to be. And i just like, if I you just ride, ride.
1: you're going to fall. If you
0: ride, I said, <laughs> <laughs> if you ride, you're going you to fall. fall. <laughs> and I'm like watching. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And then out of like the abyss is Emily's voice, careful, Victoria, careful, don't do that. And like, I wasn't going to say anything. Like, I was going to be like, she's going to learn about this. <laughs> okay, she's going to like this. Is, like, so I do feel like, I do feel like, you know, having some fear, like, maybe I should probably be a little more, di- give a little bit more direction when, when something bad's going to happen. But then part of me is like, this is
1: how people learn to overcome their fears by I don't know, like well, to her, it's not a fear, like we get these fears conditioned into us right that's that's what I don't want her to have that condition in, yeah, her. That's I get the, that that's but but, but I will say this sometimes maybe she should, yeah, yeah, like I mean, I'll give you an example there was a, a spider in the house today, right, and everybody was doing the kabuki dance because there's a fire a spider in the house, and it's <laughs> yeah, like it's just a
0: spider it's like, like this big why it's like scared that you, of thing is way more afraid of you
1: <laughs> than you are of it. And, and it kind of goes... We're like way bigger than that spider. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of goes to this idea of, of rational versus irrational, and a lot of times if you read some of these, uh, these studies that psychologists will put out on the percentage of things that actually happen that we fear. you know, Most of the things that we fear the most never happen. So we spend all of our t- time worrying and opining on things that are never going to happen anyway. Like how many conversations have you gone into where you're like preparing for the complete worst? Like, oh my gosh, this person's gonna blow up. They're gonna say this, that, and the other. And then you get into the conversation, and they're like, it "Never happens." Yeah. Okay, bro. Cool. Never happens. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's more the the norm than it's than 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 the standard. That's that's more the standard than it is an aberration of any sort. Yeah. And that that happens to to me all the time. So even as we think about the learned fears that we have and conditioning things. And I I think about this with my kids all the time. For some reason, there'll be times when my kids think that I'll get mad about stuff, which is really interesting. Like if they spill some water or something like that, like, Oh my gosh, I didn't want to tell you because I, I, I thought you'd get really mad. Now, one of the things that I do as a parent, and this isn't necessarily right or wrong. It's the way that I handle things. My goal for the 18 years that my kids are in my house is for them to never see me out of control. Same here. Right? Same here. So my kids have, I have never yelled at my kids. Uh, My goal is for them because that's a challenge to me of if I can't be measured and if I can't approach them in a way that that considers who they are, where they are, and what they're learning, then that's not a failure on their part. It's a failure on my part. I have to take responsibility for my part in that too. I
0: agree.
1: And— the the irony of that is, even though that's the case and even though I've never freaked out on my kids about anything, yes. they still have this fear of, well I spilled that water and I don't want to tell you because you might get mad. And you've never gotten you've never behaved in a way ever. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? from? It's, human condition. it's not real. It's not founded. Yeah.
0: You've never yelled. In two years, Victoria's only two. Never yelled at her that one time. And don't plan on it. No. But I guarantee you that if she does something, if she hits Olivia or something, you know what she looks at? Me. Yeah. Like, fearfully. I've never once spanked her, never once—never. Never. But she looks at me just like, I, I know I know, I did something I should not have been doing.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. So it's, it's this innate recognition yeah. of authority, but then— And perhaps that's the journey that that I've been on that I think is really provocative. There is a recognition of authority that's a level of appropriate that doesn't have to be rooted in fear. Yes. It could be rooted in respect. Fear can can turn into respect. Yeah. A healthy respect. Yeah. Because there's and that's what i what what i've struggled with so much is when you have people that you feel can are in, it's that authority figure right when you have people that you respect their opinion you respect what they've done you respect their opinions about you that's where the fear comes in in, in terms of the idea of oh my gosh what if i let those people down and at some point you make this transition in life and and, it, and it's freeing because i have recently made this transition. You make this transition in life where you realize, My life isn't theirs. My life is my own It's your own life. It's your own life. Like I don't have to fear what what they think. They they're gonna think what they think. And that goes back to the whole idea of of politics and running for office and putting yourself out there or putting yourself out out there on a podcast or things of, of this sort. It gets to the point where you you realize that the fears were really unfounded. Uh because you don't belong to those people. So
0: I go into this thing fearing failure. And what do I do? I lose and I fail. I lose the race. Devastated. You realize crushed. it ain't the end. It's not no is it not the end. Running is just the beginning. And my fear has shifted not to fear of failing or losing the next election, the fear of the, the fear of not winning the next election. my fear is no longer rooted in rather not i lose my fear is not being on the congressional full floor helping to make the country better yeah if i'm not doing that in 2022 that's my fear now yeah but i only could only realize that if i lost yeah so i had to overcome the fear of losing and it actually happened to realize that
1: the old saying is the only thing to fear, it's fear itself. is fear itself. Because it's macro. I mean, once once you understood, you were looking at one very specific piece of it. Yes. Right? You were looking at, at just the election and not the ramifications. Exactly. It's the whole elections have consequences. Exactly. Right? So you're just looking at it from that perspective. And another another fear that I hold is the fear that our children will not be better off than we are because of the country that they're growing up in. Mm -hmm. Huge fear, right? And once again, that fear can, can easily be paralyzing to the point where I just do nothing and I let that control me. Or that fear can be something where you say, hmm, I have a fear of that. What is it that we can do to confront that fear? How can we take Accountability, right? And quite frankly, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. The fear of accountability—people who are just terrified to take accountability for the things that they see that it all the time—just, just, just terrified to actually own up to being flawed. There's no fear. There's no condemnation in that.
0: So this is what I like about the world that we live in today. So somebody that does own up to their flaws. or enough up? mint
1: chocolate chip cookies? How'd you guess? <laughs> I'm sorry. Ice cream. <laughs> how'd you know that? So what I don't like about it. How'd you know do you know to <laughs> say that? <laughs> There's too many types of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> we only need two. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's
0: when somebody does own up or somebody does make a mistake, we fillet people today. I mean, we absolutely destroy people as if we're all perfect.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you have incoming from everything. Oh, and it's the age old piece of politics, right? When I would hope that as a culture, we continue to evolve mm-hmm. and continue to learn more. As a matter of fact, I was reading another book yesterday, I didn't know if you were aware of this. They are now seeing that there were flaws in the way that they, portrayed dinosaurs to us when we were growing up, right? And of course they have more information yeah, they got real interest. Dinosaurs? Did you uh-huh. know? And this is crazy. That so they got
0: the color wrong? Or? That
1: now, some of them, like paleontologists are going back and they're saying that, that they believe that Tyrannosaurus rexes were bright, more brightly colored than we've always kind of been conditioned to believe, and that some of them could have had feathers on them as well. I did see that, actually. It's crazy, isn't it? I did see that. Like yeah. A T-Rex with, with feathers. It's not you, a T-Rex. You want to talk about fear. It's not a T-Rex. It's an F-Rex. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bird rex. Not the T-Rex not I a know.
0: T-Rex I know. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. Never happened. <laughs> not
1: a T-Rex. Not a T-Rex. Not T T-Rex. Sorry, Bubba. Not a T-Rex. Sorry, <laughs> <bubba>. <laughs> not a t-rex. Uh, but I, I think over t-rex time- T-Rex with feathers. <laughs> Ain't a T-Rex. What kind of T-Rex is that? Uh, <laughs> more like Big Bird. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing that ends up happening is as we get more information mm-hmm. as we learn more as we understand more we evolve as a culture and we evolve as a people right and as that evolution happens within our culture our fears evolve too yes that's true you know and, and there's a piece of of all of this where just because our fears are evolving doesn't make them founded. Yes,
0: it just means you have to adapt to it and understand the times. Yeah, don't be scared of it, adapt to it. You know, I hear this I, on the campaign trail i I heard this a lot. you know, I'm kind of a I'm a second amendment guy. I'm a fan of it. Um, for my for for my personal reasons that we have talked about. Which will probably be a podcast conversation later on, I'm sure, sure. I'm sure at some point for the sake of time. And, and the argument against, uh, you know, AR-15s and a bunch of other, you know, types of weapons are, is the argument of, well, when the founding fathers first did this, I guarantee you, they didn't have an AR-15 in mind.
1: That's an interesting point. Yeah, Cause that's probably true. In the 1700s, they're like, well, when they had. When you get Muskets. that RPG, <laughs> so you have a. They're using all this military. Yeah, garbage. man. When you get the uh, Sea Sparrow <laughs> missile, uh, we want to make sure yeah. that we bake this into the Constitution. Right. Uh, yeah. It's like, of course,
0: of course not. But but obviously, weaponry and times and things change, and, and the Constitution still still accounts for. I think those times we just have to be adaptable to it, and. But I still think it should be taken in a, in a still literal sense because the, the spirit of the Second Amendment is, is still pertinent and still germane to today, even though the weaponry may have changed. So the other argument that I also hear, too, as well, is when when the founding fathers were talking about the First Amendment, freedom of speech and freedom of religion, were they thinking about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? The Internet? No. Yeah. I mean, I mean to disseminate information. You had Paul Revere riding through the streets saying the Redcoats are coming. Not, I'm just in a tweet to 75 million people. Yeah. Why well, things and times change.
1: Yeah.
0: So does that mean that we do away with the First and Second Amendments because I don't know they weren't thinking about Twitter at that time or they weren't thinking about AR-15s like we see them today? Well, of course not. But I wouldn't be fearful of Twitter or fearful of the evolution
1: of weaponry. I would embrace it. Well, one, and, and one of the things I think that it's germane to our society, it's inherent in everything that we do. Trust is important in our society. And it doesn't matter if you have a musket or if you have an AR-15 or if you have anything else. If it's in the hands of somebody that I don't trust, I'm very concerned. You're as concerned if it's a musket or if it's AR-15. It, uh, not as I'm. I'm just concerned. You're just right? concerned, right? Yes. And 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 there's something that I I oftentimes see in that in people people don't realize how incredible it is. Every time you go in a restaurant, and what it means about the society in which we live in. Every time you go in a restaurant, you could skip and not pay the bill. Every time, and nobody would stop you. Every time, you could act like you're going to the bathroom and then just like go get in your out. Car and drive and you away. Go to another, and you can go to another restaurant every day. You could eat you can for get free fat doing that every day, every single day, right? But there's this overarching umbrella in this country. And it's in the Constitution, it's, 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 it's our society that is rooted in trust. Now, the problem is everybody is not trustworthy, okay? The tax that we pay for freedom is that the majority of the people who are trustworthy get the freedom, but the people who aren't trustworthy get it too. And there are many people amongst us who are not good people, who try to tear down the trust that we have in each other. That's what terrorism is. You know what's crazy too? It's a minority. Yeah.
0: The reason why
1: restaurants if it still operate, weren't a minority. They, minority they, no restaurant they, would whatever, be open.
0: They make you well, they make you, <laughs> they pay, make you pay up front. Yeah, yeah. They would make you pay up front. So why do we let the tail wag the dog
1: in our society? Fear. Because of fear. Fear. That's why. And, and so it's interesting whether all of these arguments, I think, are rooted in there's this inherent trust that's in our society. And the problem with the dissension that's going on right now is we're tearing down that inherent trust of people. Exa- you're exactly right. Right. Yeah. And we're tearing down that inherent trust of people because they think about things in a different way from us. And so when they think about different ways... things Let's go back to what you said in the beginning, we're fear of, we're f- the fear of being different. Yes. Yeah. So we try to dehumanize those who think about things in different ways because we're, we're fearful of them. But it's this notion of tax. And you hear me talk about this all the time, the hater tax. And You probably hear me say the hater tax on every other podcast that we do. Uh, by definition, the Rendon Hunt hater tax... Is the more you do and the more impact you have, the more hate you're going to get, yeah. right? I saw it first. I saw it in the last two years. Just like the more money you make, the more taxes you're going to pay. S- this is a song, right? This is a song. It's by Diddy. Biggie. It's called
0: Mo Money, Mo, Mo Problems. problems.
1: <laughs> yes. So here's the thing. As a financial advisor, when I was a financial advisor in a former life— You'd always have the the slick operator trying to come in and talk about I don't want to pay taxes, yada yada yada. I don't I was like, look, the best way you, you do you really want to pay zero dollars in taxes? Yeah, yeah, I really want to pay zero dollars. Don't make now. any money. Don't make any money. Done. <laughs> next. You can leave my office now. That was easy. Yeah, it's like it's like coming to America yeah, when he caught when he, he cut, cut off his, off his ponytail. <laughs> he cut off his ponytail. I want the real American haircut. You just cut, next <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like look, you know, so if you don't want to have anybody hate on you, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Yeah, don't sit, do anything. Just sit down. Don't make a difference. You know, don't don't criticize anybody that's doing the wrong thing. Don't praise anybody who's doing the right thing. Just don't do anything. Just sit down and just, you know, chill. If you want to have an impact. You're going to have haters. You're going to have haters. It's the tax. And the bigger of an impact you have. The more haters. The more haters you're going to have. It's the hater tax. Okay. But that's one of those things that, that anybody who achieves it's your Jeff Bezos comment, which I which I think is, is spot on. Anybody who achieves and is willing to to push the limit in any way, they're not afraid of the hater tax. Neither am I, and neither are you.
0: No. I tell you what. I mean, there's going to be there's there's already haters, as we've discussed. They're out there, and they're out there in full force. Okay. It's like I said in the first episode that we had. The hater taxes is is there. It will always be there. But such a small percentage of the people that are hating compared to how many people have so much positive things to say about us and what we're trying to do here, that if I focused on the haters, I'd get nothing done. If I was scared or fearful of being hated on by a handful then I would never get up in the morning and leave my house. You also have to recognize what the fear is, where the fear comes from, and is it even worth being scared of it? It's a personal assessment that everybody has to do on their own, but I think what we've discovered in our lives
1: is that it's not that bad. Well, it starts with confronting it. Yes. It starts with confronting it. And we all have these pieces in our lives. We have these, these boogeymen that are there. That are laying in the cut and waiting, and we have to confront. I mean, it's those like us going to St. John's,
0: and you know, you know, you always hear all the stories. You know, there's not very many black students there, and you know, it's not a diverse <laughs> environment, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna have any friends, and and you're not gonna get. Okay, we hear we hear all that. Well, that's not what happened to us at St. John's at all. We could have been fearful of that and that could have stifled us from doing or even going to the school at all or even staying. But we found some of the most dearest friends that we still love and adore today. And they're white, too, by the way. But we weren't scared of meeting people with humanity and not being fearful of what somebody looked like. Well, even and then we challenged them even to accept us Because I would probably venture to imagine that there was some trepidation or some fear there because we look different.
1: But they have the opportunity to overcome their friends, their fears, to befriend us, too. Well, and that's the thing. And that's why, I mean, I even go back to the idea of nothing wrong with being afraid. Yeah. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with being afraid, man. It's okay. There is something wrong with allowing fear to run your life. There you go. But being afraid, I mean, look, I, it, it's there's this moment before every podcast. It's brief, and to your point, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the more you do stuff, the the better you get at it. But there's probably a thirty eight second moment I have before every podcast. 38,
0: exactly. So you like that, don't you?
1: <laughs> there's like a there's a brief moment where it's like a little bit of fear, a little bit of butterflies. Every one that 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 goes by, it's less and less to the point where, you know, you just. But it's good to have that because it keeps you on edge, right? And that, that's what you were saying about kind of fear. Can fear can be good? It keeps you on edge. It doesn't prevent me from talking. It doesn't prevent me from being who I am. Nothing prevents you from talking. <laughs> <laughs> A muzzle made by Zeus himself couldn't prevent. Could not you stop from you from talking.
0: talking. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, shut up. <laughs> You think is that voice in your hair talking to you? No, no, you're so, talking you're out just loud. Talking to yourself. You're still talking. <laughs> stop stop, stop talking. talking. Is it
1: still <laughs> happening? Stop, it's happening again. Stop talking.
0: <laughs> oh, we gotta wrap it up. But this, again, for everyone listening, the, the, we want you to understand that we all have fears. I have fears, Brendan. You've articulated that very well. But the issue is it's not having them. It's about what you do about it. And ultimately fear and mild and breeds courage.
1: It does. It does. And I, I had a, a good friend who reached out to me and was giving me some feedback on the podcast. Does he wear socks? She. Does she wear socks? When it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me? What do you want from me? What do you want me? Fine. <laughs> uh, and, and she gave me some, some really good feedback. And she said, you know, it's, it's always interesting. She said, like, you know, have you guys thought about how you wrap up the podcast? I was like, no, nah, I mean, to, to your point about will you stop talking, it's kind of. A long conversation, <laughs> and you know, then the guys in the in the booth are like, shut up, it off. It off. It off. "So uh, she was, she was, she was." Asked, she said, like, "Yeah, if there was something that you guys ended on, that would be really helpful." So I think it would be appropriate to end our podcast with the Willie Huntism. This is good. Yeah, Dad's full of those. With with Dad Willie Hunt, what he used to have on our answering machine at seventy six fifty five Smiling Wood Lane. Mm-hmm. So I'll end, I'll actually let you say it, Wesley. I'll end with... And remember that smiles are contagious, so make someone's day. Do it. Thank you.